this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. I just want you guys to know as we get started here that you're loved. Um, every now and then you just need to hear that. You're, you're loved by your Heavenly Father. You're loved by your pastor. You're loved by your staff. Those of you that are watching, we love you as well. Uh, maybe for those that are watching online right now, uh, let's just interact a little bit. Let us know where you're tuning in from. Uh, I know we have a number of people that are watching here in Indiana and close by, uh, but there may be some folks in here as well from other states as well. Just let us know uh, where you're tuning in from today, and uh, we welcome you. Glad that you're joining us today. Uh, we're talking about courage, and, and I would love for us to be the kind of people that have the kind of courage that, that people who aren't Christians would look at us as Christians and they would say, man, I want that. I want that kind of courage. And last week when we opened up our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where we're going to be again today, we started talking about being authentic, that that kind of authenticity would produce in us a sense of courage, that we would be positive, that we would be people of integrity, that we would be servants to others who are around us, and that we would be transparent in our lives. And today what I want to talk about out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to talk about being persistent, and that persistence causing a bit of courage on the inside of us. Maybe you you could think of it... as resilience as well. Why, why is it that, that you have some people who succeed in life and others don't? You take two people, maybe two athletes with equal skills. They both get scholarships to go to college and play football. And one of them excels and goes on to a great career. And then the other person, they just kind of flounder and then just drop out. How is it that you can have two entrepreneurs, they, they have equal abilities, maybe equal resources, start similar businesses, and one of them makes a million dollars and then the other person goes bankrupt? And I think we've all seen marriages where, you know, the, the couple, they come from similar backgrounds, but 30 years later, one is happily married, they have grandkids, they love one another, and then the other marriage has fallen apart. They're divorced and they're not even talking to one another. What is it that causes some people to succeed and others don't? Now, there's a lot of things that can happen in our lives, a lot of different circumstances that can cause some outcomes. But I think the thing that matters the most, one of the most important elements in our lives is this persistence, this resilience that we have. It's so very important. The people who really make it, the people who succeed are individuals who they don't quit. They they don't give in easily. They continue on. They push through. Uh, When obstacles come their way, they're not intimidated by those obstacles, but rather they might see them as opportunity and they rise to the challenge and they begin to grow and become even stronger through the pressures, through the challenges, through the difficulties of life. And I think that kind of thing and that kind of attitude, that kind of persistence and outlook on life will do us well to instill some courage on the inside of us as we move into an uncertain future. Failure uh, really doesn't uh, cause us to back away or shrink away. We begin to move forward with confident courage. Paul Stoltz, he wrote a book back in the 90s and it was called The Adversity Quotient. It was uh, the subtitle, Turning Obstacles into Opportunities. And he points out that it used to be the measure of, of whether or not somebody would succeed is their measure of IQ, their IQ. But Paul says there's something more important than that. He says the adversity quotient is much more important, the AQ. 
It is those individuals who are willing to push through, that refuse to quit. Those are the individuals that make it in life. They have a high AQ, an adversity quotient. And according to Stoltz, you can actually enhance and increase your ability to conquer adversity. So that's what we're going to look at today. If you have your Bible, open it, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to start at verse 8, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8. The Apostle Paul here, he's going to be talking to us about how we can move through this life with courage and perseverance. And the first part of verse 16 is really kind of our our theme verse here. Uh, It says there in verse 16, so we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart. And today I might be talking to somebody who's feeling like giving up. You're losing heart. You're thinking about giving in. You've reached the end of your rope. And I just want to encourage you. Don't quit. I know that it's challenging. I know that it's hard. I think many of us have gone through moments like that. And if that's you and you're at the end of your rope, hold on. Don't give up. Be encouraged. I believe through our passage today, as we look at these four encouragements from the Apostle Paul, we're going to find some things that enhance our ability to face the future with courage. So the first thing is this. When when you get knocked down, get back up again. Get back up when you get knocked down. Get back up when you get knocked down. Back in the, the late 90s, there was this group by the name of Chumbawamba. Um, odd, odd name. I may be talking to a small group of people in the room. But Chumbawamba, they, they had this song. And within that song was the lyric, I get knocked down, but I get up again. And I can't say that phrase without hearing the tune. And now it's stuck in my head. Now, before Chumbawamba made I get knocked down, but I get up again popular, there was Proverbs 24, verse 16, which says the righteous fall seven times, but they get back up. And here's how Paul is going to encourage you and I today. Second Corinthians 4, verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now the apostle Paul was resilient. He had persistence. He's threatened in Jerusalem. And he flees to the Arabian desert where he studies and prepares. And then he shows up later in Antioch, ready to do ministry. You stone him in Derby or in Lystra rather. You stone him in Lystra, just leave him for dead. He gets up. He goes to Derby, and then a large number of people become disciples of Jesus Christ. You put Paul in prison in Philippi, and he converts the jailer. You put him on, on trial in a courtroom in Caesarea. He turns that witness stand into a pulpit. You shipwreck him on the island of Malta. He gets bit by a snake. They wait for him to die. He doesn't die. He ends up healing all the people on the island. Put Paul in a Roman jail. He emerges months later with much of the New Testament in his hand. Paul got knocked down, but he got up again. And I think that there's a number of people that we can look at when we feel discouraged and we are worried about the future and we can just look at them as examples of what it means to be resilient. I mean, people that we look at through history, people like Abraham Lincoln and uh, Thomas Edison and Teddy Roosevelt, Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein was at the University of Bern and he wrote his dissertation. And they told him that it was no good. They rejected his dissertation because they told him it was 
fanciful, and irrelevant. Now, fortunately, Albert Einstein rejected the rejection and he didn't throw his theory of relativity in the trash. Michael Jordan, he was cut from his junior high basketball team. He went home and told his mom and his mom said, work harder. So he did and he got better. It takes courage to get back up when you've been knocked down. And as Christians, we're going to need that same kind of resilience, that same kind of persistence to get back up when we've reached the bottom. I believe that in our culture, as Christians just continue to kind of be marginalized, I think it's going to be harder and harder to stand up and stand out as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, a fundamental Bible-believing Born again, all trigger words, Christian. I believe as the world looks at us and tries to ridicule us, reject us, shove us into the corners, into the margins, as they will seek to shame us for believing God's word and what it says, as they seek to cancel us and reject us, it will be even more important to reject the rejection, to get back up, and to continue to speak the truth in love. It is not a time to shrink back in fear. It is a time for us to be encouraged by the spirit of God. This is, this is what we see again in Proverbs 24, 16. I mentioned it earlier. For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. Now it's possible some of you have stumbled. It's possible some of you have stumbled in your faith and you've fallen into old habits. It's possible that you have failed in relationships or in leadership. And what I would lovingly say to you is, do not throw in the towel, do not quit, bring that before the Lord, confess it, repent of it, seek his forgiveness, and then you move into the future that God has prepared for you. It is a future with him in which you do not need to be discouraged, but find courage in his presence. Again, I would say we could just be inspired by other people around us that we see that are just faithful and continue on to the end. Saints that we have in our own body of Christ that we just look at them and we say, they have been faithful to the end. They have finished well. We, we look at Christians throughout history, even some in our modern history. People like Johnny Erickson Tata. Maybe you've heard of her before. Johnny Erickson, she was paralyzed from the neck down in a swimming accident when she was young. Now, she took that obstacle and then she leveraged it so that others might hear the good news of Jesus Christ through her music, through her art, through her testimony and sharing with others and through her writing. Sherry Rose Shepherd is a Christian and she entered a beauty a beauty pageant and it was in San Jose, California. And I think, I'm not sure, I think it was her first beauty pageant. And as Sherry was walking the runway, she actually walked off the edge of the runway and fell face first in front of the judges, right there near the judges' table. And as Sherry's on the ground, she's thinking to herself, I've got to get back up. So she got up, she brushed herself off, look at the judges, and she said, I just wanted you to remember me. (laughs) They did. She won. And then she went on later to become Mrs. USA. Frank Peretti, maybe you've heard of him before. He wrote This Present Darkness. Uh, Frank Peretti was living in a trailer with no indoor plumbing, making less than $15,000 a year when he wrote This Present Darkness, which is this great fiction book about this battle between good and evil. He took that book to 12 different publishers. All of them said no. 
Finally, he went to another publisher who said, all right, we'll give it a try. There's not much of a market for Christian fiction. Maybe we'll sell 10 or 15,000 copies. This present darkness has now sold between two and a half to three million copies. He refused to quit. He rejected the rejection. He continued to move forward. That is what it takes. It takes resilience and persistence, the courage not to give up, not to give in, but to continue to walk in faith with God. In our own language, we we normally use uh, a little word, the word but, to introduce a negative thought. It's It's a nice day, but... It may rain later. I enjoyed the worship service, but the music was too loud. I believe in God, but I don't know how he could let this happen. I like Pastor Andy, but, and then you just kind of like fill it in, right? So we have these these negative things that, that we bring up. I'm just teasing. He's a good guy. So what the scriptures do, they introduce that word many times In a positive light, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And in our passage for today, it says this, among other things, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. So when you get knocked down, get your backside up and don't quit. All right. I I tamed it down. Uh, It came out differently when I was uh, thinking through this. So I'm proud of myself. All right. Here's the second thing. So we're going to get back up when we get knocked down. The second thing is this, love the Lord more than life. Love the Lord more than this life. Second Corinthians four, verse 10. Always, Paul says, always caring in the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work within us, but life in you. Paul always saw his life as expendable for the kingdom of God. He was willing to set aside his own life so that God would receive glory and so that others would come to know the good news of Jesus Christ. He didn't count his life as his own. For instance, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19, Paul is in the town of Ephesus. He's in the city of Ephesus and he's preaching. And so many people are coming to Christ and they're being transformed by Jesus that it's causing a stir. There's a bit of a revival that is going on there in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus, their thing was this worship to this goddess named Artemis. And they would have these artisans who would make these little false gods that they they would have people worship of Artemis. And so many people were giving their life to Jesus Christ, they felt threatened, like, we're going to lose money. We don't have, we're not going to have enough income because people won't be buying this little statue of Artemis. Now, I think they should have pivoted a little bit and started making crosses, but they didn't get there. Instead, they were afraid. And so they stir up this riot. They get a mob of people and they rush into the theater. Now, this is interesting. I've been to Ephesus and I've seen the theater. It's still there. 
You can stand on the street and you look in the theater and you see it's kind of like a horseshoe shape and you see all of the stands kind of built into the hillside like an amphitheater and then the stage down below. And so from the street, you can see all of these people. It seats 25,000 people and so it's large. And you gotta see this. All these people run inside and they're all fired up and they're all chanting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. For two, almost two hours, they're chanting this. Many people didn't even know why they were there. They're just all fired up. Paul's standing on the streets, sees all of these people gathered in that place. And like a good preacher, he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go in and preach. I'm going to tell this mob about Jesus Christ. And the other disciples had to pull him back. Like, no, Paul, you can't go in there. They're going to tear you apart. And so he didn't go in. But why would Paul be willing to face a hostile mob of people and tell them about Jesus? Because he did not count his life as his own. His life was the life of Christ in him. Shipwrecks, imprisonment, beatings, none of that mattered to Paul. Because Jesus was the most important thing in his life. So I ask you, does Jesus Christ matter more to you than life itself? And this, I believe, is the moment of conviction for all of us, including me. Is Jesus first? Jesus himself said this in Matthew, verse 16. If anyone would come after me, if anybody wants to be a follower of Jesus, have the title Christian, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so the Christian life is a call to courage. The Christian life is a call of denying ourselves and making much of Christ. Do you love the Lord More than anything else. Do you love the Lord so much that you would be willing to give your life for him? And again, that's the question I think that all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, who think about the potential of persecution, ask ourselves. And if you're like me, sometimes you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not in that situation just yet. I would like to think so. I pray so. But have you made so much of Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to live for him? Let alone, would you be willing to not reject him if somebody puts a gun to your head and says, renounce Jesus Christ or die? And we think, well, that kind of thing doesn't happen. No, we've seen it happen. We saw it happen with ISIS. I hear rumor that it's occurring right now in China. Would you be willing to say, Jesus Christ is more important to me and my faith in him than anything else? Is Jesus more important to you than every other relationship that you have? Is Jesus more important to you than your love of the United States and your comfort? I mean, if God called you to go to another country and give the gospel to others, would you go? Now, maybe you think, well, that depends. Bahamas are nice. That would be great. But would you be willing To put Jesus Christ first. Do you love him more than the pleasures of this life? Do you love the body of Christ 
more than you know whatever else the world might offer to us. Now we don't face this a whole lot anymore because we don't have ball games to go to and picnics and those kinds of things. And I just realize that vacations are kind of on hold. But is Jesus Christ more important to you than all of those things, or is this really just a convenience for us? If you're going to persevere in the Christian life and have the kind of courage that's worth emulating, then your allegiance to Jesus Christ has to supersede everything else. If we're going to have courage, we're going to want to make sure that we get back up when we get knocked down and that we put Jesus Christ first and we love him more than our own lives. Here's the next thing. Believe what you say you believe. Believe what you say you believe. Second Corinthians 4 verse 13. Paul says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. If you're going to have courage, it comes with conviction. He says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Now, the Apostle Paul believed with all of his heart that Jesus was who he said he was. He believed that Jesus is the one who died an atoning death on the cross for his his, uh, sins. He also believed that Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God. He believed these things, not just like a myth or a story, or wouldn't that be nice, some idea. No, historical fact. He had seen and encountered the risen Lord, and through that conviction of faith and belief in him, he had conviction. And he believed that Jesus had this power that he then passed along through the power of his spirit. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is now living on the inside of Paul. And he believed that that spirit would then one day raise him from the dead and it would reunite him with other fellow believers. And so Paul believed these things. And so he realized, wow, I've got an eternal purpose now because I have Christ in me and I believe these things to be true. Verse 15. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So as Christians, we we need to know what we believe and why. We need to be Christians, not just simply out of habit, but out of conviction. And the thing that kind of worries me about cultural Christianity is that we become Christians or we go to church out of this sense of a convenience, or even it just simply makes me feel good. Now, I want people to come to church and feel good. I don't want them necessarily to feel bad. But if our faith is built just simply on how I'm feeling in the moment, we'll fade. We will fail. You see, faith begins, this relationship with Jesus Christ begins with facts. You need to know What has happened in history? You need to know the gospel. You need to know that we are separated from God by our sin. And he loved us so much. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, who is God, who is sinless. He died on a cross for that sin so that we might be reconciled, made right with God once again. Jesus was buried, rose again. He's ascended to heaven. And one day he is returning for his bride, the church. And so those are facts to be believed. And after you believe those facts, it then moves to faith to be expressed. It's not enough just to simply know these facts. Now we got to live out these facts. Faith to be expressed. Then feelings to be experienced. 
It's not as though we are divorced of of feelings and joy and whatever God has put in our heart. But if you get that messed up, if all you have are feelings, you're going to fade. If what you have are feelings minus facts, minus faith, when persecution comes, you will fall. You will fade. You will fail. So there has to be this source of conviction of believing what we know to be true. Do you believe what you say you believe? That brings a sense of courage. It's one thing to say that you believe when life is going smoothly. It's another thing to believe when everything is crashing down around you. And it starts getting dark. And you start feeling the weight of this life. It's a whole other thing to believe when you come in and you gather in church and The music seems hollow. They didn't sing the song that you like. The sermon doesn't really hit you. It seems shallow. I didn't really get much from that. It's harder to believe when everybody else around me, they just feel so distant and we're not feeling it in this moment. I'm wondering if you have the kind of conviction, the kind of faith that says, no, I still believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. I believe that his Bible, his word, it is truth and life. For me, I believe that God will reward all of those who are in Christ Jesus. I still believe that God is good. He is faithful. He is just. Believe what you say you believe. Be filled with courage. Finally, keep your eye on the goal. Keep your eye on the goal. We want courage in our lives. We need to be persistent. We need to get up when we've gotten knocked down. We need to make sure that we love the Lord more than everything else in this life. We need to make sure that we truly believe those things that we say we believe. And then we need to keep our eye on the goal. Here's what it says in verse 16, kind of our our theme verse. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light Momentary affliction to all of us living in the middle of 2020 would say light and momentary. Are you kidding? For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so the reason that Paul can persevere through this is he's staying focused on his eternal goal. Keep your eyes on the eternal goal, the spiritual goal out in front of us. He's reminding us that everything that we see, feel, touch, all of it is temporary. All of it's going to pass away. Even our bodies in in their kind of corruptible mortal state that they're in right now, they're one day going to pass away. We keep our eye on the spiritual goal. To be persistent, we keep our eyes forward. We think about what is out in front of us. And our goal is to get to heaven when we die and to take as many people with us as we can. The way we say it around here is we want to be wholehearted followers of Jesus who then make wholehearted followers of Jesus. Disciples that are making disciples. Now our enemy, he's going to do everything that he can to try to distract us from that mission. 
And so Paul says, don't get caught up in the temporary. Don't get caught up in the moment and what's happening right here. You go ahead. You keep looking forward. You keep looking to that eternal goal that is out in front of you. And when we keep our eye on the eternal goal of heaven, now courage begins to rise up in us because we realize, well, I'm not going to be stuck here forever. There is a home in heaven for me. One day, you're going to have a new body. You're going to have a brand new body. No more death. No more aches and pains. No more aging. But in the meantime, Satan, our enemy, is going to try to distract us and defeat us with personal problems, health issues, a pandemic, family stress, social issues, business demands, financial pressure, an economy that's so-so. I mean, Paul says all of this, it's nothing. All of this that we are going through right now, which seems like so much and it's monumental. This is a moment in time, he says, and it is temporary. And we are going to look back at this moment 10,000 years from now. And we're going to say, that was so tiny. That was so small. That was minuscule compared to what we're experiencing right now in the presence of God forever. That gives our heart courage. It's a past. We won't be like this all the time. We're not always going to wear masks everywhere. We're not going to live in fear. We have a heavenly home. We're not promised a great life here. We're not promised that everything's going to turn out the way that we want it to. Because this world's not our home. We're just a passing through. We are citizens of another kingdom. And in some sense, we're not yet residents. We're citizens and not yet fully residents of that kingdom. But one day we will be fully in the presence of God. And when we keep our eye on that spiritual goal and what God has in store for us, everything else that just seems so monumental, so overwhelming, begins to pale in comparison to the eternal weight of glory that sits in front of you and I because we know Jesus Christ, Christ, who is our life, the one who gives us courage to get back up when we have fallen, the one in whom we say we believe and we love him more than anything else in this life and we're gonna keep our eyes on him. Would you stand with me as we we close in prayer? As we're we're standing, I'm thinking about like a hymn uh, that you may know, great is thy faithfulness, right? And there's like this line, uh, in, in great is thy faithfulness, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And that's what we need. Strength for today, strength in this season, but a bright hope for tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you that you have not abandoned your children, that you are not far away, that you're with us here. You're with us in our lives. For my brothers and sisters in this room or online that are in the middle of challenging moments and they're on the verge of just giving up and giving in, Father, would you fill them? Fill them with courage. Not a strength that they muster in and of themselves, but a strength that comes from you and the hope for a bright tomorrow And so, Father, we're going to get back up when we get knocked down. We just realize that in this life, it's going to happen. 
And then, Father, we just realize that we want to make sure that we truly believe what we say that we believe. We want to make you number one in all that we do. And yet the pull on this life and the difficulties that we have, it makes it challenging. So we just say, we're weak, but you're strong. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with this knowledge of what lies out in front of us for all of eternity that you have made for us, this heavenly home, that we are citizens of an eternal kingdom. So, Father, as we move out of this place and into this next week, we pray that you would fill all of us with a sense of courage. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us here today. We'll see you next week. We're going to pick up 2 Corinthians 5. God bless you all. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvillroad.cc. God bless you.